Welcome back to Off the Cuff, Evacor Healthcare's podcast. I'm Emily Coe, and we have three wonderful guests today who are going to talk to you about site of care, credentialing, and networking. You might be saying, what does that mean? What is that? Well, that's exactly what our three guests are going to uh, describe today. We have Diane Doherty, Anne McLeod, and Krista Gassler. And now let's introduce the guests. Diane? Thanks, Emily. Diane Doherty here. I'm the Senior Manager of Network Quality Assurance. It's a group of departments that cover credentialing, network quality oversight, and mm -hmm. accreditation services. Look after credentialing for multiple networks. Uh, today, we're going to be focusing on the National Radiology Network. We also have Lab, PTOT, Cairo, and a host of other types of networks that our departments look after. Um, credentialing is done. Then we have oversight that monitors the um, database and does the reporting and accreditation services is part of our ongoing monitoring to support quality networks. That's all? <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> all of the days are okay. multiple. <laughs> Anne, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, thanks, Emily. I'm, I'm Ann McLeod. I am Senior Director of Network Operations. I have been with Evacor for about 19 years. And basically what I am responsible for is overseeing the building of networks as well as the management of those networks and maintaining them going forward for our payer clients. Uh, I am personally over the radio National Radiology Network, so I have a team that I work with that, um, that is focused on building and maintaining the radiology network. I am also responsible for our newly formed DME network, which has been, uh, which has been in existence and we've been building that for about a year now. And then more recently, I am responsible for building a fertility network. So those are my areas of responsibility. Great, thank you. And Krista. Hey, thanks, Emily. I'm Krista Gassler. I'm Senior Director of Affordability. Um, my team focuses on site of care programs and helping members get to the right setting at the right price. So we have a team that uh, does a consumer outreach piece and educates members about the price of their uh, diagnostic services and helps them reschedule if they're able at a lower cost site. Um, but then we also manage a, a product called Site of Care that's a little more clinical and focuses on helping physicians really send members to the right community setting when necessary. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about how that works, but I'm very excited to be here with uh, this group. So thanks. Great, thank you. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and, and talk about site of care first and um, get an understanding of that. And then we can talk about the credentialing and networking of, uh, of site of care. So um, Krista, let's let you, Let's pretend that folks listening to this podcast have no idea what we're talking about when we say site of care. Can you give us the um, maybe 32,000 feet you know, description of site of care? Sure. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people don't fully understand that you have options when you go to have your healthcare services done. And certainly for diagnostic or high-tech radiology, you can have those services performed in a hospital setting. But if you don't have special circumstances that really require that, you can have that same study done at a freestanding clinic 
um, that is probably a fraction of the cost. And with a lot of patients now in a high deductible health plan, that really matters not only to a health plan, but also to a patient. Cytocare is a management effort by Evacor to help physicians find those lower cost sites. Um, so it's very integrated into the utilization management process. Um, but we're going to show you different locations. And then if you remember that patient really needs the hospital setting, let's say they have an allergy to contrast or for a pediatric case, that totally makes sense to keep that case in the hospital setting. And mm -hmm. so there would be no, no need to change anything about that case at that point. But if that patient is eligible and it makes good medical sense, send them to a freestanding, especially once you hear kind of Diane and Ann talk about our network, um, you'd understand why that's a great option for a lot of members to go to the freestanding instead. So if we do site of care management for um, musculoskeletal uh, as well, so there's other places where that cost difference really matters, especially to patients. Today, we really want to talk about our high-tech radiology program um, because we're redirecting a lot of those patients to the Evacor network. Um, so it's important that people understand that that's, that's going to give you just as good a care as the hospital setting when that's appropriate. So let's say I go to um, an orthopedist and they um, they want me to get an MRI of the knee. Um, how, as the patient, how do I go about finding out if I'm getting um, an MRI that's, you know, at a high quality facility, but at the best cost? Yeah, so that's the, that's the best place to ask is talk to your physician when they're ordering, you know, understanding your medical needs. If, do I need to be in the hospital setting or, hey, I've, I'd like to look into and work with my health plan on maybe some options that are part of my in-network um, facilities that are freestanding. You're going to be able to go back to your health insurance and see where, where those freestanding clinics are if your physician can't help you find them. Um, or if you get a call from one of our consumer engagement reps, we're mm -hmm. actually going to help you search for that and show you, you know, based on how close to your work or how close to your home you want to try and have that service done, uh, we can give you a list of options and help you reschedule that as well. So there's different ways, uh, but talking to your doctor as they're ordering that procedure is uh, really a, a great starting point. Great. And I have some, some numbers here. <laughs> um, so CT and MR imaging in a hospital setting can be 180% to, to 250% higher than at a freestanding imaging, imaging facility. And also knee and hip replacements are 139% to 159% higher as inpatient admissions than an outpatient um, setting. So I guess that's an example of how much greater the costs are in these various settings. Um, I think the question for patients will be, you know, but is it the same care? Am I getting the, the most quality care? Um, how do you reassure patients that they are getting the best care? So especially, again, if you're redirecting to an Evacor facility, you're going to hear from Diane about how that facility has been credentialed. Um, but again, if there's a medical reason for you to stay in the hospital, you're going to be allowed to do that. So uh, we, we are really trying to clinically, and those, those reasons to stay in the hospital all come from national accreditation boards and, and is something that's been clinically researched. So we're never going to take you out of the hospital setting if it's inappropriate. 
uh, for your care. And we know that those freestandings have gone through, especially if you're part of the Evacore network, you've gone through a lot of additional steps to become a credentialed Evacore facility. So you can rest assured that that's been been vetted before you've been redirected there. Thanks, Krista. Hey, Diane, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the credentialing process and how it relates to site of care? Thanks, Emily. Yeah, credentialing is a rigorous process whereby we work according to a set of imaging network standards that have been established in partnership with um, the clinicians in our credentialing committee chaired by board-certified radiologists. We have a number of board-certified radiologists on the committee, and we review these standards every year. We do this so that um, it sets the foundation for our credentialing team by which to measure certain quality items and make sure that every facility that we credential and bring into the network are uniformly meeting these quality metrics. You know, we check licensure, we check accreditation, we check um, OIG and SAM and make sure that there's no um, exclusions, any disciplinary actions. We do this initially when a provider is wanting to enter our network and we do it every three years thereafter. Um, we have a set of comprehensive policies and procedures to follow. They, we follow NCQA guidelines, um, so we tie ourselves closely to um, nationally recognized organizations, and we then implement that straight across the board. So that's once every three years once you're in the network, but, but it doesn't stop there. We also have daily compliance monitoring. Um, we are attached to FinScan, takes an extract from our credentialing database on all our facilities and practitioners and runs it through a whole battery of national databases to see if there are any sanctions, disciplinary actions, or exclusions. Um, we also have daily license monitoring. And in addition to that, uh, we have part of our program is to monitor complaints against imaging centers. And that's a tiered process. If a member or a referring provider comes with a complaint, it's bounced over to our oversight department. Remember, I mentioned we have three different departments. Oversight will research the complaint with the facility and respond back to the health plan. We also have um, a process whereby if a we have a complaint about image quality, which is intrinsic to making sure that we are getting the right diagnosis at the right time with a specific facility, um, if we get a second image quality complaint within a 12-month period, we actually engage with the facility to run an image review with them. So we troll through the claims data and we select a we select a number of imaging studies that they did that were the same type of study that was done um, as the basis of the complaint. And we have two in-house board certified radiologists review it to see if there was actually quality issues. And we report back to the health plan on that. 
Great. Let's say I am a provider or I am, um, I'm an imaging facility and I want to be part of this network or I, I, I want to be, I want to be someone who's referred to, is there uh, a way to reach out to, for example, Evacor to become part of this or how do you, what's that um, outreach look like to build, um, and I guess that might be more for Anne if it's a networking issue. Um, and uh, is there a way to um, <laughs> that, that you outreach to folks to see if they want to become part of the network? Absolutely. Uh, there are actually several ways that a provider can become part of our network. The first way is the provider themselves can contact us and submit a request, uh, a participation request, and we will review that to determine if they meet the basic uh, the basic requirements to be part of our network. That's the first way. Another way is we may be contacted by uh, a payer, by the client, uh, that tells us about a, a provider that they would like us to attempt to contract and get into our network. And we also proactively go out and try to search for providers. Say, for example, if we have an area where, where we feel it's an underserved area, there are no freestanding imaging centers that are currently contracted into our network we will proactively go out and try to determine if there are any that, that will meet our quality standards that we can attempt to get a contract with and have them in our network. Okay, great. And then um, back to Diane uh, with the credentialing. <laughs> um, so let's say someone has lost their license or there, you know, some kind of sanction has been put against a facility. How quickly do we remove them from our system or what, what does that process look like? Uh, Emily, it depends on what the infraction is. You know, something as serious as losing the license, we move pretty quickly and would bring that to our committee chair and um, get a committee together pretty quickly. Um, we are saying when we have a freestanding imaging network that has basic quality standards, we need to maintain that. So loss of licensure is um, a very serious issue. Um, not renewing accreditation, um, we reach out to the providers and find out if they are in process. Um, that's, you know, again, this is a multi-department process. Our provider accreditation services is running accreditation renewal reports every month on our imaging network. So whoever is due to renew their accreditation, we're keeping an eye on them to see that they actually get that accreditation renewed. Mm -hmm. If they don't, um, our credentialing team makes an outreach, finds out, are you no longer performing this modality? Is there an issue why you didn't get it? And more often than not, we find that the outreach is, uh, we are partnering with the imaging centers in our network and we're able to get them to renew prior to um, having to term that modality or inactivate that modality because we're not terming the facility. We're just ensuring that we have accredited modalities on offer to the members of the health plans we serve. This is fascinating. This is a side of healthcare <clears throat> that folks just don't think about it unless you work in that world. So this is really um, very interesting. Thank you. Um, and so let's, um, Anne, let's talk about the, the network process, um, setting up the sure. networks and, and those processes involved. 
Absolutely. So as mentioned earlier, myself and my team are responsible for, for building and maintaining uh, the networks. That typically would come uh, from a payer. We may sign on a payer that wants to utilize Evercore's network. And basically what we would do is look at their network, who they already have in place and contracted compared to ours, and we would, we would say, do they have any freestanding imaging centers contracted that we do not have in our network? If so, we would go out and we would attempt to get those providers uh, contracted in our network because we want the payer's network to remain whole. We don't want them to have, uh, to have any holes anywhere in their, um, in their current network. They're choosing to use us, so we want to make sure that we are providing a full network for them. So that's, uh, that's number one. And then secondly, as I mentioned earlier, we proactively go out and make sure that we have a robust network that's built in, in all areas. Obviously, there are going to be some parts of the country, rural areas that don't have access to freestanding imaging centers, mainly because there just aren't any. So if there aren't any to contract with, you know, there, there's not too much we can do about that. But for the most part, we, we have a very robust network nationally. We have close to 3,000 locations currently contracted, um, which, is, well, which is fantastic when you look at the total number of freestanding that are actually available. We're, we're pretty close to that mark. Um, and we're constantly looking and adding. Now, to kind of piggyback onto what Diane said, we're kind of the first door that providers go through before they make it over to, to Diane's team. And, and we kind of do an initial uh, screening, if you will, of, of the provider. What services do you offer? Do you, do you have a Medicare ID? Are you licensed? Uh, that, that kind of basic information. If they can't provide that, then we do not even move forward with a contract. If they can provide that, then, then we may go ahead and offer a contract. We do prefer to contract full service providers, meaning that they not only provide advanced imaging, which would consist of MRI, CT, and PET scans, but also uh, to have the ability to provide low-tech imaging, which would be your mammograms, ultrasound, x-ray, and, and that kind of thing. That's our preference is to have a full service provider so that we can offer that to our clients and to our clients' members. We want the members to have access to as many of those services as, as they can. Uh, once we go through the, the contracting process, we have to negotiate that contract many times. That means we have to kind of tweak the language to meet the provider's needs. Many times they will have their attorneys working on these contracts on, on their end. And, uh, and so we have to work with them to come to an agreement on contract language that will be included. We also have to negotiate rates with them. That's the fun part. Oh. So, <laughs> so I was going to ask. So, yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, ab absolutely. That's probably what takes the most time okay. in, in negotiating these contracts. And again, because we want to provide the best quality services that we can for, this, for the client's members at the lowest possible cost. Mm -hmm. so, so we do, um, we have a seasoned negotiating team, a seasoned contracting team with about 20 years experience each. So, um, so they, they know how to negotiate and we go out and that's our goal is to, is to get, we want to be fair to the provider. We want to make sure that, that they're getting a fair rate for their services, a fair market rate. But we also, we also want to make sure that, that we're providing uh, the lowest cost that, that we can for a member. So that the member, again, someone had mentioned, I think it may have been um, Krista that mentioned uh, high deductibles. Because high deductibles are so prevalent today and all of that is coming out of the member's pocket, of course, the, 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 the less they can pay, the better for them if they're getting the same quality service. And that's our goal is to be able to provide that. 
Now, another reason that we're, be able to, we're able to get a little better rate structure than, say, an outpatient imaging center or, or a hospital, uh, typically freestanding imaging centers' overhead costs are lower than, than the hospital would be. Uh, they don't have to pay as much for their x-ray technician. They're, they're not paying the high salaries because they don't have the overhead uh, that, that, that they have to account for. So that's another reason we're able to, um, to, to negotiate a, a better rate with the freestanding imaging centers. Once that contract is in place and we finish negotiating, uh, it goes over to Diane's team and they perform the credentialing services on it and then they get it to the network should they pass credentialing. At that point, um, where, the, where the contractors are involved um, would be if there's an issue that comes up with a contract. Say, for example, we have a provider that we've contracted and they're billing a member that they should not be billing. Uh, we do have language in our contract uh, that does not allow for a provider to bill a, a member in certain circumstances. And if that situation comes up, that typically comes to the contractor to call the provider and say, no, you're, you're in violation of your, of your contract per section 5.7 or whatever it may be. And we talk to the provider and we, um, and, and we get them to number one, stop billing the member and then number two, work with them to, to resolve any situation that may have brought them to that point. Um, we also work with credentialing, say, for example, with uh, what Diane just mentioned, if they have a provider that they need to term for one reason or another, that may come back to us and, and we may need to go to the provider and work with them on that. So, um, so in, a, in a nutshell, that's the contracting process. And like I said, we're constantly looking for and trying to, to build on our, on our network. Um, we constantly get requests for adding locations, and uh, we have several national providers in those 3,000 that we have contracted that are, that are constantly adding locations. So, so we keep quite busy, but, um, but that's basically contracting in a nutshell. And of course, we all want to know, have you ever had to term someone because they lost their license? Um, we have. We have, and of course, that, that information is going to come to us from Diane's team. And, and again, uh, to what Diane spoke to, it depends on the situation. It depends on what's going on with them. For example, the situation I just mentioned, the cease billing issue. Um, we can usually work through that, but I have had to term people for, for refusing to stop billing a member as well. So there are different, different circumstances. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we put a contract in place for a reason, and we need to follow the language that's in that contract. That's great. Um, and so just to be clear, uh, providers and facilities, they don't pay to be part of this network, correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. They do not. Okay, great. So let me see if I can connect the dots here. So we have site of care and part of site of care is credentialing and networking. So site of care is a process or a program through which patients um, can get um, be referred to um, a high quality, um, low lower cost facility um, to get their you know MRI, CT, you know, advanced imaging um, studies. Driving that side of care um, system is the networking and credentialing processes, where we make sure that we have. Um, highly, highly qualified providers and facilities in the system to which we refer. Um, and then we maintain this network. Right now we have 3,000 facilities across the United States. Um, so we're well represented. Um, 
where are we, is there one particular area of the United States where we have um, the most facilities as part of our network? Well, as, as, as you can imagine, uh, it, it's going to be the most populous areas. So for example, New York, Florida, Texas, California, all have, um, all have a, you know, a large number of freestanding imaging centers. When you go out more towards the Midwest, towards uh, Iowa, uh, Minnesota, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, out in that area, we, we really don't have much. Mm -hmm. Again, because there's nothing available there, there to contract. Right. But, uh, but, but, but for the most part, the most populous areas is where we have a larger concentration okay. of, of centers. Okay, great. Um, and let me connect another dot here. So um, we work, our clients um, will work with us to implement site of care. So not all health plans will have this program in place, correct? So it's just if someone's um, um, health plan is working with Evacor to have the site of care program um, that where they can access um, and, and identify the you know lower cost, high quality imaging facility. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. It is a. It is a slightly different program, so it's not part of the standard offering. But again, we have different ways to make it work with each health plan strategy. So we can be very member-facing and member-centric, or we can be more clinical with the, the site of care as part of the utilization management. So lots of options there to, to support Great. our health plans and our patients. Wonderful. Well, I know as sometimes a patient, I would very much appreciate the um, side of care program because I'm part of a high deductible. So that's really great. So it's clear what the benefit is to patients for a side of care program. Um, but what about the providers? Um, they may feel that this is just a, a burden, more paperwork, more processes that get in the way of their practicing medicine. Um, can you talk a little bit about what the benefit is to providers and um, are we simplifying this process um, so that it's not, um, so it's not a deterrent for them to participate? Well, we're sure trying to. So uh, site of uh, care is built into our current system. So it is part of the process anyway. So your physician is, if you're part of our prior off programs is going to have to request for you to have that MRI done. Um, when they're building that case in our system, where that is being sent is one of the first things they put into the system. Um, and some providers may already have someone they've already always referred to. Um, and so that sometimes just becomes a pattern without maybe understanding that that's actually gonna cost the patient a lot more because doctors don't always have time to know each person's insurance and things like mm -hmm. that. So, so that's the benefit is our system's gonna show that this member has a cytokare uh, management and that we are recommending these locations. Uh, but again, we also have uh, the medical side of side of care. And so that too is built into the system in an automated fashion to show doctors well, hey, you do need to think about it. if this patient has, again, the allergy to contrast or some other factor, you need to keep them in the hospital setting. So the goal is for us to help get the member to the right location when it's appropriate, also save money, uh, but never at the cost of quality. So yeah. those, those are how we've tried to kind of integrate it so that it's more of a decision support tool instead of having to stop and then go think about which locations are nearby. 
our systems also can do radius search. So we, you know, if you're in a rural area, you're probably going to have to stay at the hospital. You may not have one of Anne's, you know, locations to go to. Um, so there's also that kind of built-in systematic way of saying, you know, this doesn't apply in these situations. So always trying to automate and make sure we're as onerous, not as onerous as we can be for the provider in their process. Well, I guess ultimately patient satisfaction is an important metric. So if you refer a patient um, to a, a location that's um, more cost effective, so you don't have the patients saying, you know, that doctor, you know, may, I had to go pay, you know, $1,000 for an MRI when my sister got, you know, an MRI for, you know, $500. So mm -hmm. um, there's that element that could ultimately um, benefit providers too. Does Evacor work with providers to, you know, build a rapport over mm -hmm. time um, so that we're not just setting them, you know, putting them off in the, into this network. And then we say, see you later. We'll talk, we'll touch base when it's time to, you know, re-up the contract or renew. Um, what does that look like? Absolutely. So that's very important to us um, to maintain and build those relationships with each and every one of our providers. We always want to provide excellent customer service whenever they have any, any issues that come up that they may need assistance with uh, outside of our normal channels, going to client services, et cetera. If a provider comes to us, we, we want to be able to ensure that we are there for them and that we're going to help them with, with any issue that arises, no matter what it is. Uh, we also have uh, some fantastic relationships with large national providers. So we not only build those relationships with the smaller providers and smaller one or two locations per provider or more than that, but we also have fantastic uh, relationships with national providers. And with the national providers, um, we tend to hear from them more only because they have more locations, but it's also fantastic because we work with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis, uh, we try to have quarterly quarterly calls with them. We also try to strategize with them. So going forward, is there something we can be doing better? Is there something, some way that we can improve on uh, the contracting process or on the contracting methodology? And we're always open to suggestions for that and to, and to see how we can improve on that. So building those relationships and maintaining them is very, very important. Maybe one of the key benefit to the provider community is us having a site of care program is actually directing more business towards the freestanding imaging centers. You know, so that's an attraction to join our network. You know, we have that program that Krista talked about in place. They don't have to sign up. They don't have to mm -hmm. jump through any other hoops. They do have to get contracted and credentialed. Uh, but they also have that assurance that the things we require of them, we require of everybody in our national network. So they're amongst peers nationwide. Uh, we're also trying to um, alleviate some administrative burden because we do collect a lot of information. Uh, we need um, details on every piece of equipment they have, um, radiation safety, we need to know, um, you know, do they, are they doing physicist reporting annually as required by their accreditations, et cetera, et cetera. So we gather all of that at the outset when somebody wants to join the network. And this year, we instituted a new process whereby at recredentialing, 
we're not asking them to fill out the whole application again. We get them to attest to the the demographics, are there any changes, who's the medical director, and to attest to see if there's been any settlements or sanctions against them. And if they answer some of those um, survey-type questions in the affirmative, well, then, yes, we do have to go back and find out more about the equipment they added or they dropped. And that keeps our information current for reporting and helping to direct if we have specific questions on who has an MRI capable of doing such and such. But, I mean, we could collect information all day, but that's, um, that's not how we want to partner with our network either, you know, because we go back to them sometimes and have to say, you know, your accreditation is coming up from renewal and we see you haven't done anything. Uh, we don't want to be the partner with a big stick. We want to do it because we're all in this to deliver quality services. And I think that makes it very attractive to providers to be part of our network. I'm just curious, Diane and Anne, how many people does it take to keep all this moving forward? How many um, folks are on your, your respective teams? <laughs> well, for, 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 for radiology, I have uh, three, three full-time contractors that manage, uh, that manage the country. They manage it nationally. Over the three departments that we have between credentialing, oversight, and accreditation services, we have 24 that are in, directly involved with national network activities. So That's we have a hive of activity going on all the time. And you're probably um, able to just be responsive to feedback and input from providers and facilities as well with a large team um, such as that. Yeah, that's definitely a goal for us. Um, and we're, they're a very collaborative team, even though they're, you know, on paper, maybe three different departments. Uh, they're interacting all the time. Yes. That's why, you know, I was given an umbrella to keep them all under. And um, I have to say, we have a fantastic team. So even if, um, say, our oversight team was the last point of contact for a provider, we often find whoever the last point of contact was, the provider has a question, that's who they go to. Um, they'll just redirect to the person they need to be speaking to very quickly. Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm very proud of my team. They do great work. <laughs> so is there a, um, so two questions. Um, if there is um, a provider <laughs> listening today and they are not part of the network, and they think that they might be interested in becoming part of the network. Um, is there mm -hmm. a number they would call, a website? How would they engage with Evacor to learn more? Sure, good question. And uh, they can reach out to Client Services, and that is clientservices at evacor.com, and, be and begin their participation request. And if providers want to see what it takes to be an imaging facility in our network, they can go to evacore.com network section, and we have our imaging network standards posted there. So they'll see all the requirements that they will need to meet um, in order to be contracted and credentialed. Anne, Diane, Krista, thank you so much for being part of today's conversation. You've really shed some light on an area of healthcare that a lot of folks probably are not familiar with. Can we be known as the site of care sisters? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's a wrap.
Thanks everybody for joining. I'll see you next month for another episode of Off the Cuff.